0: this morning to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7. What we're going to do this morning is look at verses 13 and 14 together. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. As you turn there, I would like for you to uh, to try, find a scrap piece of paper or something like that to, um, to, write, to write down a response to the question I'm about to ask you, okay? It... it this is this is important for, for not just not just the message, but for your life. What has been, and I'm looking for the top three things, okay? Think about the top three things. What has been the most important decision or decisions? What are the most important decisions of your life up to this point? What are the top three most important decisions that you have made in your life up to this point? right I, I was curious uh, about uh, what our what our media what our culture uh w- would say to that question what are the the most important decisions that that we could make in our life and, and I wonder if these line up um with yours but huffington post uh, they had they had the, the largest viewed page that I could find um they They listed these eleven things as the most important decisions a person will make in their life. Let's see if some of these match up with yours. The choice to get a dog or not. Number 11. The choice to save money. The choice to give money. The choice to be healthy or to eat healthy. The choice to exercise on a daily basis. How about this one? This one caught me by surprise. The choice to read a book every single day. None of us do that, do (laughs) it. The choice of career that you're going to have, but not just a career that you're going to have, but a career that you're going to love. The choice of finding, they put it as the right partner. I would say the choice of spouse, the choice, uh, the choice um, of the right friends. And then the number one thing that they listed was the choice to love yourself. Any of those line up with yours? Now now I, I'm not undervaluing some of those choices, uh, uh, some of those decisions. I know that career, I know that school, I know that marriage and place of residence. So those are all those are all important decisions, all important choices, but but those decisions, while they are important, they are not the most important. I want you to hear me loud and clear today, please, the single above all greatest decision. That you will ever make in this life is to decide whether or not you're going to follow Jesus, whether or not you're going to follow him, know him as Savior, declare him as Lord, uh, uh, to live under his lordship, to, to, to have eternal life in his name. All other decisions that you make in this life are pale in comparison to that one decision. You see, the road that that we travel spiritually will ultimately lead to uh, our eternal destination. A single decision made here today can eternally determine your destination. Now, I'm just going to ask this out loud Are you going to heaven when you die? Are you going to heaven when you die? Are you going to be with the Lord? And, And how do you know? I've asked that question multiple times over the last two, two three weeks, and, 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 and to different groups of people, individuals, families, uh, uh, a whole school one day, and, 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 and some chose, when asked that question, some chose to wait it out, that, that they need more time to think on it. One gentleman said that he would do better so that he could answer that question better, One family was banking on their church attendance, their spiritual performance, on whether or not they were going to heaven. One didn't want to talk about it at all. And then Randall Wood, he sent me a message this morning from Houston, Texas, yesterday. 96 people were asked that question, and 27 of them gave their hearts to Christ. Are you going? Are you going? I, I, I heard about a grandfather who was asking his grandchildren those same questions. He said, son, are you, are you going to heaven when you die? And the little boy said, yes, granddaddy, I am. And then he asked him, he said, if you were to die and God said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And the little boy said without hesitation, because I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> now, believe it or not, the vast majority of people think that's what it's all about to get to heaven. I got to die. Well, in a a study by Barna in 2016, some 5,000 plus people were interviewed across the country and they were asked about being born again. They were asked about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. They were asked about being evangelical Christians, meaning that that, that faith is important today, a personal responsibility to tell others about Jesus. That's important to believe that Satan exists, to believe that God's word is right, to believe that salvation is by grace and, and through faith in Christ alone, not of works. They were asked if they were Bible-minded, meaning that they read Scripture, they believed Scripture. Uh, are you a believing Christian? Are you a practicing Christian? Are you not a practicing Christian? And in their research, 73% of the people interviewed said they were Christians. But only 31% said that they were practicing Christians, meaning they live out what they believe. 41% said they weren't living it out at all, that they had issues, they had doubts, they had, they, they had some things that, that they had to flesh out, and only 46% of the, all the people that were asked said that they believed it was their responsibility to tell people about Jesus. Another, another interview was done in 17, 2017, same groups of people, about 3,000 people were interviewed, and only 30% interviewed knew that they would go to heaven because Jesus was their savior. Twenty-five percent had no idea, and and nine percent didn't believe in heaven or hell at all, and some 35 percent believed that there was another way to heaven than that of Jesus. Now, pastor, why are you harping on this subject? Because here's the reason why. I'm not so sure, after reading Matthew 7, 13, and 14... I'm not so sure that everybody here, everybody listening, everybody near or around us really know or believe that they would go to heaven when this life is over. As a matter of fact, when you read Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus said, very few were going. And I'm here to tell you today to share with you the truth and nothing but the truth of God's word. If you're going to heaven, it's not going to be by good looks. It's not going to be by a good family. It's not going to be by good works. You're not going to uh, go to heaven if you choose a dog, cat, or a spider monkey. (laughs) You're not going to heaven based on uh, your bank statement or your treasures or your money. You're not going to heaven on how you're politically uh, 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 registered in the United States. You're not going to heaven by, by good works. If you're going to heaven, it's going to be by personal relationship with Jesus. And that's presented strongly here in Matthew seven thirteen and 14. So many people have the opportunity, actually everybody has the opportunity to make this decision, to take the road with Jesus, to have eternal life in his name. But so few, so few are going to follow that road. Now, we're in a series of messages called The Door. And what we're doing is we're looking at the different doors found in Scripture. And, and so we talked about the door that should have never been opened. That was the door that Cain and Abel uh, presented to Cain. I'm sorry. And, and then we talked about the door of refuge. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the ark door, Noah's ark. Uh, then we talked about the door of the Passover found in Exodus 12. And then last week, we talked about the door to the Holy of Holies in Hebrews chapter 9. Well, tonight and this morning... We're going to see two doors. We're going to talk about one decision. Two doors are going to be talked about this morning. One decision is going to be made. Now, here in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's on the Mount of Beatitudes, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. And the setting is absolutely gorgeous. I've been on the Mount of Beatitudes. Those going to Israel next year, you're going to get to spend some time on the Mount of Beatitudes. And so what you need to picture is this. There's a crowd that's surrounding Jesus and Jesus wanting to be heard and those people needing to be fed spiritually. The crowds come around him and he goes up a bit on the mountain. And he begins to preach. He sits down on the mountain. The people gather around him and he begins to teach. And this sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, has been called by some the kingdom manifesto. All right? This sermon tells us what the kingdom of God is like. It tells us what life in the kingdom of God is like. It tells us how, how it works and what it ought to look like. Some people say that that the Sermon on the Mount is God's plan of salvation, that if we would obey these rules, if we would obey these principles that are given here, that that we will go to heaven. Some some call it a, a charter for world peace. People read the teachings in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and say, if the whole world just followed these teachings, we would all be at peace. And then there's one group that says, Sermon on the Mount, not meant for us today, that it it applies in the future, maybe in the millennial reign of Christ or during the tribulation period. Uh, You hear all those things. I believe that this sermon is all about righteousness, living a life of righteousness. Righteousness means, everybody say the word righteous. The word righteous is a 50 cent word that means right living. Okay? It's about, it's not about being self-righteous. It's about being righteous in the heart living a life that pleases christ and jesus here is preaching to help others see that if they want to be a part of god's kingdom god is going to have to do a work in their hearts because god's not just going to change their conduct god's going to change their character so however you look at it the sermon on the mount has direct application for your life Jesus addresses all kinds of things in the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about our attitudes. He talks about our attitudes towards God, our attitudes towards others. He talks about our attitudes towards ourselves. He talks about our attitude towards our sin. Jesus addresses anger, he addresses murder. Uh, He he addresses adultery and lust. He talks about divorce and marriage. Jesus talks about retaliation, getting even with people. And he talks about loving our enemies. He he talks about how how we should worship. I mean, our giving, our praying, uh, our forgiveness, our fasting. Jesus talks about materialism. He talks about worry. He talks about judgment. He talks about how to know the difference between a true man of God and a false prophet. He, He talks about fruitful living. And he ends the Sermon on the Mount by talking about how to build your life on the foundation of the rock. There's so much here, but I encourage everyone to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It won't take you long at all. But here in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is giving an invitation. An invitation is a call, okay, for his hearers to become citizens in God's kingdom by receiving eternal life, the gift of eternal life. A decision has to be made. Do you understand? And I'm not. I'm not banking on this, but because I, some may some may have never really noticed. But do you understand why, at the end of every worship service, there's an invitation offered? Do you Do you understand why we do that? We give an invitation so that people have an opportunity to respond to the message. A decision is being made in this room. We don't have have invitations to hear a piano play. We don't have invitations to sing a song. We don't have an invitation because it's always been done that way before. We don't have an invitation to finish a sermon. We have an invitation with prayer that a decision will be made after the word of God has been preached. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 7. He has preached a message, and now he was calling people to respond, to give their hearts to God, to enter into the kingdom of God. And he's saying here in, so, in such a powerful way, you're here at a crossroads and you've got a decision to make. You've got a choice to make. Which direction are you going? What are you going to do with the most important decision to make in your life? Yeah, our lives are filled with decisions. You know, What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What are we going to say? Uh, who are we going to marry? What career am I going to follow? And on and on and on. And many decisions are, are insignificant, and, 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 but some are essential and life-changing and the most important decision Jesus lays out here in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. What I want to do this morning and also tonight, I'm going to share with you three details about this decision found here in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Let's read the text together, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go and buy it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. I'm going to share with you one thing this morning, okay? One detail about this decision. Here it is. It is a dire decision. The decision that we need to make today, it is dire. I'm going to look at one word found in Matthew 7, verse 13, and that is the word enter. Everybody say enter. Okay, this is not a suggestion here, all right? You don't need to read it that way. It's not a possibility, even though uh, there, there are two doors. This is a command. This word enter is written in the Greek as a demand, a specific action, a definite action that needs to take place. And so so Jesus is saying to them, don't admire the gate. Let's stop talking about the gate. Don't ponder the gate. Don't stand at the gate. He says what? Enter. Enter, he says, enter the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. Uh, uh, Jesus didn't tell us to admire him and 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 uh he, you know he looks like a good choice. You know I'm not so sure he's my choice but he looks like a good good choice. Jesus is not a pet that we admire. He's not an article of clothing. He's not a choice on the menu. Jesus says, "I'm it. Enter by me. Enter the there. He didn't say, "Look at me and ponder me and admire me." He says, "Follow me." All right? And and, and so and asking have you decided to follow Jesus? Yes or no? Okay, maybe you're saying, "Well, I, I think so. I think I'm following Jesus. I I studied Jesus in college, and I really I really respect him. I admire the guy. I I, I admire his teachings." Now I'm asking you: Have you entered by the gate to follow? Jesus. Do you know Jesus? You might say, yeah, I, I prayed a prayer once. I prayed a prayer once and I don't know what I prayed. I don't remember what I prayed. But everybody else around me was doing it, and, and there are people pushing me to there, there, There's nothing in my life though that says I believe on Jesus or follow Jesus. Hey, but I'm banking on the prayer I prayed, even though I don't remember anything that I prayed. I don't I don't look like Jesus, I don't do anything like Jesus, I don't sound like Jesus. I'm everything but what the Bible says a believer in Jesus should be, but I did say the prayer because somebody told me to say it. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus I, 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 because I go to church. Maybe you say, I, I know about this Jesus. Uh, Jesus is one of the many ways to God. I, I, I know about him. I like him. He's all right. Let me say this. A lot of people respect Jesus. A lot of people admire Jesus. A lot of people do things that Jesus would approve. But the dire issue is do you follow Jesus? Have you entered the gate? Have you entered the narrow gate to follow him? Most people would read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and say, I admire these teachings. These are good teachings. I mean, good people uh, should respect their neighbors and and do unto others as they would have them do unto them. People shouldn't hate. People shouldn't judge. Their favorite verse to pick out in in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is judge not, lest you be judged. They hear that all the time, they're so out of context. And people, people shouldn't worry. That's a good teaching. And people shouldn't murder. That's a great teaching. I like these teachings. I enjoy what Jesus has to say. But let me tell you something. I enjoy the music of Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash and the Gaithers and Michael Jackson and the Beatles. But I don't follow them. You don't see me in a white jumpsuit with curly hair. And you don't see me doing the moonwalk. And you don't see me singing walk the line in perfect harmony with the Gaither quartet even though they wouldn't sing that song. I admire what they do, but I'm not them. I don't live like them. I'm nothing like them, and my eternity does not depend on them. And Jesus here is saying, enter, choose me, enter in a relationship with me, follow me, be with me, and you will find life. That is the road of the narrow gate, the right gate, God's gate. It's the only gate that leads to life. And he says, very few find it. This is a dire, when I say the word dire, I'm talking about an extreme, serious decision. The truth is, folks, we are all (laughs) followers of something or someone. We worship what we follow. We worship, we worship what we worship is who, is who we are. No one, no one or nothing is worthy of worship and praise or following but Jesus. A lot of people respect Jesus. A lot of people praise his teachings. A lot of people admire his way, but few ever receive him as king and enter into the kingdom. That's the reality of Matthew 7 13 and 14. Jesus doesn't say just enter some gate. He gives two doors. You can enter a broad gate, you can enter a narrow gate. He says enter the narrow gate. Notice that he doesn't say enter the broad gate. He doesn't, get, he doesn't, say, he doesn't say, this is your choice too. No, he tells you enter the narrow gate. The problem is people choose to follow in the broad gate. Why, why the narrow gate? Why does Jesus say follow, enter into the narrow gate? Because it leads to life. Straight is the way if you've got the King James Version. And he says, few find it. But this is the only gate, the only door of the two that he says enter. It is a dire decision. You decide to enter his gate and you have life. But if you don't, he gives the other side. He says, broad is the way, broad is the gate, wide is the gate. Many enter through that one and it leads to not life. What's the word? What does he say? It leads to what? Destruction. Destruction or life? You choose. Your decision. Destruction or life? Your decision. The word destruction means total loss. Total ruin. It is the gate most entered. It is the gate most traveled, the way most traveled. It's the way that all religions go, except for Christ. It's the destiny of hell if you want to get particular. It's the destiny of everlasting torment. Psalm 16, this is a good cross reference. The way of the wicked will perish. But Jesus says: enter the narrow gate. He says it's a difficult game. We're going to talk about that tonight. It's a difficult decision, but it leads to life. I know it's narrow, folks. And I, I, I know it's narrow. And the reason that it's narrow is, is because there's no room for you in something else. There's no room for, for me in my religion. There's no, need for, no, no, no room for me in my sin. There's, there's no room for me in my strongholds. There, there's no uh, room for me in my own understanding, my own opinions, there's just room for me and Jesus, and it leads to life. Life, decision. Destruction, decision. You Do you understand why it's such a dire decision? I'm going to give you another reason. Few people will make a decision today to enter the narrow gate. That's reality. That lines up with the teaching of Jesus. Few people today will make a decision to enter the narrow gate gate. You say, you're not very optimistic, Peter. You're a negative ninny. We don't need negative ninnies right now. Why would you say that? I say that because that's what Jesus said. He said few people would enter that gate. He said many are going to enter the wide gate, the broad gate. Few are going through the narrow gate. But when I see the words life and destruction, that opens my eyes to serious stuff. And the fact is, every single day, I am reminded that there are countless people who are making this decision haphazardly that to enter the wide, to enter the broad gate, because they live their life without Jesus. They live their life without his perspective. They live without, life without his word, without his wisdom. Jesus is not merely a prayer. He's not merely a service. He's not merely a church building. He's not a a, a a once-in-a-while acquaintance. He's not a political or historical or social or popular figure. Jesus isn't a book, a fairy tale, a myth, a legend. He's not an entertainer, a show, or a way to God. Jesus is the centerpiece of eternity, the dire decision. The Son of God, the only one who gave his life so that you would have life, the only way to eternal life, heaven with God. I'm not saying this because I want to sound like a bigot because people look at this and they're like, that is so narrow. It's so exclusive. I proclaim Christ is the way. I proclaim a narrow gospel, a narrow way, a narrow gate because Jesus said in John 10:9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He also said in Acts or, or uh, Luke's in Acts 4:12 that there is salvation found in no one else. No one else under heaven. No other name. Not Mohammed, not Buddha, not Mary Baker Eddy, not Joseph Smith, not Zoroaster, not the Pope. Jesus is it. It's a narrow way. No other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. First Timothy 2, 5. There is one God, one mediator between God and man. The man, that is the man, Jesus Christ. It's a narrow gospel because it's the only gospel. God has given us one way. One way, and it's a dire decision above all other decisions. More important than marriage, more important than college, more important than vacation, more important than business, more important than a career, habits, a relationship, finances. It is a dire decision. And everybody in this room and everybody in the world today will make that decision today. Will I follow Jesus or will I not? Will I enter the narrow gate or will I not? Many are going to decide against Christ, and that's what Jesus said. It's a difficult route because it's too narrow, it's too, uh, it, it's too, it's too exclusive. My, you know, we, we say, "I don't, I don't want to enter this gate because it's not appealing." My, my school, a lot of my friends, a lot of my family, they're not on, they're not on this narrow way. And, and I've got some good friends that aren't in this narrow way. I need to stick with them. And, and, and my counselor, my counselor said to have a good life and, and to be happy. And, and my mommy said, my mommy said that I was a good boy and that I can live my life the way that I want to. And I need, I need to make choices that are going to support me. Well, your mommy and your school counselor and, and, and your friends aren't Jesus. And, and, and Jesus said his way is narrow. There aren't many travelers on it. It's exclusive to people who will trust and obey Jesus. I, I, I love the words of this old hymn: "When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory!" He says on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in who to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It is a dire decision. I can't say it enough. Either you know Jesus or you follow Jesus or you don't. You, don't, you either say yes to this way or you don't. You, you either have life or destruction. You have Jesus or, or the world, but you can't have both. John 14, 6 is probably one of the most exclusive statements in all of Scripture when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. John 10, 7 through 8, Jesus said, I am the gate. All whoever came before me were thieves, they were robbers. John 3, 15, let's, let's change it up a bit. John 3.15, Jesus said, Everyone who believes has eternal life. Whoever does not believe stands condemned because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And I love what he asked. I loved what he asked. Do you believe this? When he was at the grave of Lazarus It's your decision though I can't convince you I can't take you into it I talk you into it I can only preach and encourage and Folks, my time is up and there's, there's so much to say And I, man, I'd love to share with you Two more things tonight But right now The dire decision needs to be made Will I enter in the narrow gate Will I, will I hold in on Jesus' command His word to enter the narrow gate. That our decision is a choice between the one Christ and the many in the world. The one right, the many wrongs. The one true way and many failed ways. It was John Stott who said, Jesus cuts our easy going syncretism. There are many roads to heaven. Jesus cuts those. There are not many good religions but only one man cannot come to God in any of the ways that man himself devises. The only way to God is through Christ. And Jesus said, enter by me. It's your decision. No, no one can and we'll make it for you. It is a dire, extreme decision. Do not leave this place without having made that decision to follow Jesus. You say, I, I've got to go. You say, I, you know, I, maybe later. You, you, say, uh, you say, well, it's not 11 o'clock. It's almost, uh, almost none. I haven't had breakfast yet. I'm hungry. Forget the breakfast. <laughs> Following Jesus. When, when, when I, when I, I'll make this important decision later. No, this is the most important decision. You will ever make in your life, and how will you respond? Will you will you stand and and bow your heads and close your eyes for just for just a moment? I want to give you this scenario as we as we come into a time of prayer. This invitation. I I I was reading about a um a family that was traveling, and there was a sign on on a muddy road. They were following. And this is what the sign said. It said, choose your rut carefully because you're going to be in them for the next 10 miles. Well, well, listen, listen. Today, you need to decide which gate you're going to enter, a narrow gate or a broad gate, which way you're going to go, life or destruction, who you're going to listen to, Jesus or the world. Because the decision you make now, choose wisely. The decision you make in this dire moment will be the decision that you make for eternity. (laughs) Father, I can't can't preach anymore. Your word is truth. Jesus was so exclusive when he said, enter by the narrow gate because he knew the only way to eternal life was through him. And he shared that with people. He, He shared a lot of great things in the Sermon on the Mount, but when it all came down to a boil (laughs) and talking about a righteous life and making good decisions and making sound decisions, godly decisions, he knew the only way to have right character was for God to have the heart of a man. And I'm asking you today, as you're listening this morning, I'm asking you, have you decided to follow Jesus I'm not asking about a past prayer. I'm not asking about your church attendance. I'm not asking about your do goodisms I'm not asking you about what you've been taught. I'm asking you right now, straight up, fresh new: Do you know Christ? And are you following him? That is a dire decision. From the youngest of children to the senior person in this room, the oldest in the room, have you made that decision to follow Jesus? It's not something we give them in lip service. It's something we live with our lives. Am I entering through the narrow gate? Father, I, I, I pray this morning that decisions to follow Christ would be made and disciples of Christ would be made. We're gonna talk more about a disciple tonight. What does a disciple look like? What do they sound like? How do, how do they live? Why should, I, why should I walk through this gate? God, speak to us now. Help us to consider this dire decision. There are some in this room that have never decided to follow Jesus. There are some in this room who have been playing church for years. And they say they know Jesus with their mouths. They don't believe on Jesus with their heart. And their life certainly doesn't line up with it. Father, there are people that, that are wrestling with a decision to go all in for Christ. To give their whole heart to Christ and his purposes for their life. And, and they, they've been trying to make decisions They've been placing things that, that, that are above the will of God, that, 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 are, that are above his wants, that are above his desires for their life. They're trying to make decisions without him. And Father, I pray that you would challenge them today to enter through the narrow gate. It leads to life. So God, if there's someone here today that needs to trust in Jesus as Savior. I pray that when the invitation begins and they have an opportunity to respond to this message, that they would come and say, I will follow Jesus with my life. I want to follow Jesus. I desire to follow Jesus. I pray, God, that there's some today that say, I I will. I recognize the severity of the scripture. I know that many today are going to hear this and say, no. I don't have time. I like my way. The lifestyle is too strict. strict. I don't want to be bound. Help them to know today that following Jesus is the most freeing thing that they will ever decide to do. There's more joy in Jesus, more purpose in Jesus, more love in Jesus, more joy, more peace. Oh, there's such missional work to do in the name of Jesus if we would follow you. Father, I pray that everyone would leave here today knowing Jesus, Jesus is the best way, the only way. It's the decision I want to make this morning. I, I pray for those that are struggling with the decision of obedience. Maybe you've been leading folks. They've been saved, and they need to be baptized. That is, a, that is an important decision. I pray, God, that you would lead them to make that necessary decision. I, Lord, there, there may be people today that, 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 are, that are desiring to be a part of church family and you're leading them, you've been leading them, it's time to follow Jesus. They desire to be a part of this church family. They know that God's calling them to it. I pray they would be obedient today. There are some today that that have the call of God on their life for vocational ministry. That, That is exactly what God's leading them to do and calling them to do. I pray today, today they would say, I have decided to follow Jesus, and I will minister in his name. There are folks that are on our hearts today that are entering through the wide and broad gate and they don't know Christ. Would you put us on our knees today, Father, to pray for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Move us today. Move us today to make this dire decision in Jesus' name, amen. Tammy's gonna play for just a moment. If you need to respond in any way, you come, be obedient today. Be obedient.